This is episode 25 of Pelotero Pickle. We're talking Hall of Fame. We're talking Universal DH. We're talking uh, Nolan Arenado being gift-wrapped to the Cardinals. Join us. Let's get into it. Pickle, 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 rundown, pickle, episode 25. This could be a full rant episode, Chris. How are you doing today? Hmm. It's an interesting question, young Robert. How am I doing? Well, there's snow coming down so hard that I almost can't see. It's cold. And yeah. I was uh, I was looking up flights because I'm getting ready to come up there. And uh, then I saw the snow <laughs> the weather report. I'm like, screw that. I'm not coming up there. At least to the end of the week if I need to. As I like to say to Ferb, this ain't it. Yeah. It ain't it. Yeah. Very good. Let's jump right into the topics here. Uh, topic number one, baseball, Hall of Fame voting. There were zero inductees in the 2021 class. No player achieved at the 75% threshold. Kurt Schilling was the closest. Then he said, screw you guys. I'm out. Take me off the list for next year. His last year of eligibility. He doesn't want any part of it anymore. Uh, Patrick, producer Patrick asks, is this the travesty that is being made out to be? And then just for discussion purposes, what the heck is going on with voting? Should the writers be the one voting? Uh, I know they have the, uh, what's the committee called? The players committee or that there's some other name for it. Uh what do you got on the 75% threshold not being met by a single player? I'm over everything. So I'm definitely over this. Um, the greatest hitter that ever lived is floating like on a hall of fame ballot and not getting into the hall of fame because of people's presumptions, ideas, general, you know, moral authority that they think they're better than everybody else and everybody's acting holier than now. Like this is the, fundamentally, this is the problem with the world right now. Everybody wants to tell everybody else why they don't deserve something or why they're bad at something or why they are bad humans. And nobody takes a look at themselves in the mirror. And, and this is the difference between the generation that you and I grew up in and what's happening right now. It's become so socially acceptable to tell somebody that they're, they're bad at something when they've done so much good, right? They've just done so much good. And one either real or perceived notion about somebody allows the rest of the world conceptually to just judge the heck out of them. And man, oh man, I grew up in a time when people would say to me, if you don't have something good to say about somebody, don't say it. Um, and it just seems like we're in a very opposite world than that so we've got guys like barry bonds roger clemens kurt schilling who are superstars to every degree and schilling's a little bit different right schilling was never really that obvious clear front line like shut down guy he was close but he was never really like that next level pitcher but still to me you know, very, very deserving of, of consideration for the Hall of Fame. But now it's become about his morality, his politics, his comments to journalists. And, you know, here's the problem with like, if, if you try to do this this way, right, and you try to use these objective thoughts and 
everybody's just going to have their own interpretation of what character is and what morality is. So we're never going to get anywhere ever again. Um, I, I don't know, ever, man. Like, ever, ever again. No, it's just, like, I might be on board with that, at least for like, talk about that book, the pendulum and like where the pendulum swinging to, we got like 40 years of this on, on the way. Yeah. Just, just buckle up. This is the new norm. It's a super irritating, man. Like everybody's so quick to pass judgment on people. And, and that this is, Literally, it's the world we live in because somebody reads a tweet or sees an Instagram post and, and like blaming social media is just part of it, right? Like it's it's the information age. So everybody has any opinion that they want in front of them validated. Um, I don't know. I, like Everybody's got demons, man. Like people like every person in the world has something that somebody doesn't like about them. And I don't understand what what makes people feel like they have the right to call other people out when they have their own skeletons in their closet. I really, and, and then the crazy thing is, is they, they can mess up, but that same person can mess up over and over again and not get called out for it. And, and I hate hypocrisy, man. Hypocrisy stinks. Like it's just terrible. And I, I think it's very much compromised the whole thing in and of itself. Uh, to me, it's, it's laughable. Um, I think it's, I think it's the media that's making a almost a bigger deal out of it. Certainly, as a player, I think you you feel honored to get in. But the beauty of of this discussion and the the impetus of what the Hall of Fame means is that when push comes to shove, it's not affecting your playing career, right? Like it's not affecting your mental state going into a game or preparing for the playoffs or whatever it may be. So at a minimum, you know, and it's not compromising your ability to, to earn income as a player either. So thankfully it's not affecting the players in their playing careers. Um, it's still unfortunate that it is affecting everything else after, but I don't know. I guess you live and you live and learn and, Time will be the deciding factor. It's just unfortunate. And do I think writers should have the ultimate vote on who gets in the Hall of Fame? No, that's not even close because what really should matter is what your peers think of you, not what a bunch of people who write about your performance think about you. The uh, the whole argument, so Bonds is the most obvious, has to be in the Hall of Fame. Best top five player of all time. Like, what are we, what are we talking about? Um, Never failed the steroid test. It's just assumed and presumed and like the writers are just being the judge and jury on this one. Um, wasn't against the rules when he played, right? When he, when he was doing, when was he on the, was there a point where it switched? No. When he was playing. So like Bud Selig shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. If Barry Bonds is in the Hall of Fame, Bud Selig shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. There's tons of players in the big leagues that, are presumed to have done steroids. And I'm going to like take it even a step further and be like, what is performance enhancing drug now? Cause I, I don't know. Like what, what like Adderall really? Adderall is probably the greatest performance enhancing drug you can take, but oh, you get a prescription for it. Like if you're doing anything that's non-natural, it's performance enhancing. Like what, what, where's the line? Because if, if your brain and your mind, and your ability to process information is like the separating factor, Steroids can make you bigger, stronger, faster, but they can't change the way your mind processes stuff. Adderall, Ritalin, like that stuff, 
is like putting your brain on hyperdrive. You're turning your normal computer into a supercomputer. That's wildly performance enhancing. Allows you to focus. Allows you to stay dialed in. Uh, players forever were doing greenies. I'm sure like players in like the Babe Ruth era were doing stuff that was very much frowned upon if the public found out. Like I, I just happens in every industry. Happens across the board. Like the the players that were taking steroids most recently weren't getting caught. And players that aren't taking steroids are getting caught for nothing. The science is bogus. It's it's crazy to me. Uh, so to keep a guy like Bonds out, who's the best of all time, like he's a part of the game, he's a part of the history. Schilling to me, uh, he's I would say he's like an above average borderline. Like he's he's a guy that like probably should be in the Hall of Fame through normal voting, for, as, from a pure playing on the field standpoint. His numbers are good. I just looked him up. There, he's uh. 216 and 146, 346 ERA, bunch of strikeouts. 162 average is 15 and 10 with a 346. Uh, 211 strikeouts. Like he's a good, he's a very, very good pitcher. Frontline starter. You know what it's all coming down to? And this is the problem with it, right? We say we create systems in the world and we say we create all this objectivity so that, you know, people can make the most informed decisions and so on and so forth, yada, yada. And when push comes to shove, the reason why those two guys didn't get in the Hall of Fame, the reason why Barrett, uh, Roger Clemens is in the Hall of Fame is because writers have a perceived notion that they don't like them. They don't know the individuals all that well. There's probably like five guys in the BBWAA that really know Barry Bonds because they're around him. And even still, they don't know him. No. They, like, they just saw Barry Bonds, the the guy who had to put a guard up, who, who had to defend his position as a player and you know was kind of just a perceived not nice person. And they're letting their emotional perception of who that person is create their judgment. So if Barry Bonds was more well-liked, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. So what it comes down to, it, it literally, this is coming down to people over and over and over again. I, I've used the, I've, how many times have I given you the example of, you know, we create these committees and we want to say we want to use this objective measurement and, and that's fine. Like, look at all the data, all the numbers, all the analytics you want. But when it comes down to it, it's people. It's always people. And the problem is that people are being granted the opportunity to create just these opinions in their brains that are right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, they, they, they're gray. And, and frankly, they really don't matter. And they shouldn't matter. Because if, if, that, if that is the, the defining characteristic, then you're never going to find a person that has a hundred percent likability numbers, right? Like you just never do it. It's like a did you see popularity the, uh, contest. Yeah. Did you see the, the Patrick Reed situation in golf this weekend? I did. So on TV, you clearly see the ball, but so Patrick Reed hit a golf shot, uh, walked up to his ball, deemed that it was plugged. They had four inches of rain. So I'm sure every player was walking up to every shot, inspecting it. Uh, he asked the volunteer, did you see a bounce? They did not see a bounce. It was in the rough. Uh, there might have been some protocol issue where he didn't call in a rules official before no, inspecting the ball. He, he did. He called he did. in the rules he, official. He, he picked up the ball before the rules official got there, but that seems like that's kind of normal, but some the, the media was saying that that was bad. Um, he got a ruling. Uh, if you watch the replay, the ball clearly bounced. It wasn't plugged, unless the ball plugged on the bounce, which is unlikely. Um, people freaking out about it because they saw the replay, and it was obvious that the ball bounced, but they didn't have access to the video when they're making the decision. So 
he got crucified, went on to win uh, by like three strokes or five strokes. Um, then it came out, then Rory, Rory McIlroy had the same situation happen to him. Ball bounced, cleared the NTV, got a ruling, dropped the ball. Nobody made a big deal about it. Uh, Patrick Reed has a history, like in the bunker, he like swept out <laughs> behind the ball one time. He's got a little bit of a history of, of, I guess you could say, trying to bend the rules or, or using the rules to his advantage in a way that's not in the spirit of the game. So reputation preceded him and people were all over it. Um, but like if you're the guy between the ropes, you walk up to your ball, you look down, you ask, did it bounce? They say no. He couldn't see it. He was in a bunker, so he couldn't see where it landed or how it landed. <clears throat> the volunteer says no. He checks the ball out. If I'm walking up to a ball and I, it's been rained four inches, then I would be checking for that. It's just crazy to me. They made such a big deal about it. Um, like he still had to go out and win. Like you're going to give him a stroke penalty? He still won. People are just too quick to pass judgment, man. And I, look, I, I get, I feel like I'm wasting my breath so much of the time where I know that there's rational, reasonable people in the world. And I know that uh, there are people that like think like me and maybe they're just not as loud or uh, <laughs> what I think what you just come to terms with is that, you know, you have to pick your battles in life, right? Like you have to pick your spots where you're really gonna, I don't know, just make this be the way you think and, and, and reason. And it's upsetting. It's just upsetting because we live in a world that's like quick to quick to be divisive, quick to hate, quick to quick to call somebody else out. But I think, I think the biggest thing that human beings need to do is take a look at themselves in the mirror before they take a look at everybody else. And that's, that's just, you know, me, me being one man and, and saying my opinion is, is not going to affect the masses. Like we have to do a better job as a society. I think of being compassionate really like is what it comes down to being compassionate to the fact that the people on the other side of us are human beings. But so often I think we look at the circumstances that other people have in their lives and we just get, people get jealous really quickly. And because of that, they ultimately, they feel like it's okay to, just go after somebody. It's like the whole, the old adage, oh, this person's a celebrity or they're an athlete. That gives you the right to defame them or, or just go after them in ways that are, I don't know, they're just uncalled for. And, you know, people say, oh, you put yourself in the public eye. Well, I mean, we're talking about a world where everybody wants to say, well, you know, love your neighbor, be compassionate, unify, and, and really everything that's done on a day to day basis is to divide. Right. It's like, hey, get on this side of the fence or the other. It's like, how about we knock the fence down? How's that? And like really get to the bottom of things. Yeah, it. it's like uh, in mainstream media or if you even want to call it mainstream media. Um, where. It's become much more about opinion than it has. Uh, being objective. And I think the baseball writers are probably uh, in that same kind of position now where maybe in years past, they might've been more uh, unbiased or more objective in what they're doing. And now it just seems like they're just sharing their opinion and how they feel about somebody as opposed to just like, did this guy play to the best of his ability during his era with the rules as they were like it's just not objective it's it's everybody's just 
letting their, their feelings known more than anything else. Are you good at baseball or not? It's binary. It's binary, dude. It's not, it's nothing more than that. It's literally uh, how big an impact did you make on the game? Pretty simple. That's, That's all you need to consider and then what stop. Let me, let me change it to the, the shift the conversation a little bit. So uh, basketball hall of fame has non NBA players. It's like, it's not the, like the baseball hall of fame is like the MLB hall of fame. Uh, what do you think about the NBA or the basketball hall of fame? They have like amateur players, amateur coaches. I guess like you could be like one of the best college coaches of all time and be in the basketball hall of fame. Do you think the baseball hall of fame should be like that? I honestly don't care enough. To, I'm, I'm just going to be dead honest with you. I think, I think the hall of fame conceptually is a great idea. Um, I think in practice it's broken. Uh, I think there's just so many different things that lead to the decision-making, the thoughts behind what allows, what makes somebody a Hall of Famer and what doesn't. Um, and I think, like, honestly, that... <laughs> oh, my desk was about to fall, and I realized that the, the table was narrow, so I'm going to cut that out. Honestly, I, I just think the Hall of Fame is like a pat on the back, right? And, and it's certainly bigger than that. Don't get me wrong. It's, it, 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 you know, solidifies your position in history within the game. But it's so, so difficult to create standards in a new generation when old generations have preceded you uh, and you're trying to have information that compares – one generation to the next. This is what it comes down to. That's what the Hall of Fame is. It's it's literally the comparison of one generation to the next. And um, should it be more like the basketball Hall of Fame? Probably. Like I think, I think if you just make a big enough impact on the game in your life, yeah, you should be you should be recognized for that. Um, I promise you that ninety percent of guys that get in the Hall of Fame, um, it's it's probably not as big a like a, a, a like a, an achievement as like what they did to get to the whole thing you know what i mean because like you've been removed from your playing career at some point you you're, there's no there's not like that urgency it's not that cutthroat hey at 0.4 seconds to react to a pitch it's just it's something that somebody tells you and because of it you know, either you're in or you're out. It's not like there's no, you have no control over it anymore. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I, I certainly understand the honor and legacy that comes with it. And I don't, I'm not trying to downplay that at all, but I would venture to say as a player, it, it's much more, I don't know, just, just kind of take a deep breath and it's easy going because like your career's already happened. It's, it's already over. There's no, there's nothing more that you could do to sway the decision one way or another you know sure yeah i mean it's it's pretty big feather in the cap but like you said you, it doesn't like change what you did it's just people recognizing it in a different way so let's move on new topic the uh mlb and the mlbpa currently doing battle in the public forum of leaked stories as usual <laughs> Uh, no DH, no expanded playoffs. The league just tried to shorten the season to 154 games, I believe, which is going to get shot down. 
just a bunch of BS going on. Trying to stay relevant, man. So, like most things Major League Baseball does, this is, to me, a pretty big money situation where, you know, they just cut out a bunch of minor league teams to save a bunch of money. They don't want to pay an extra 15 guys. Uh, I never even thought of looking into this, but do American League teams have an average, like a higher average cost because of the DH? No. Do the do the National League, uh, like, is it going to change the average payroll per player? Is it 15 more jobs gained, or do then you just lose some pitching flexibility? Like, there's only there's only a certain amount of guys on the roster at any given point in time, right? Right. So, you either have an extra position player on the bench who is not a DH, or you have a pitcher in the bullpen who's not a DH, or you have a DH, um, which means you might have less uh, flexibility with your role players, but you have a DH, so your pitcher's not hitting. Um, I I'm, I tend to be a traditionalist, so I like when there's some different strategy that happens in the game. Uh, I can certainly understand the argument for not wanting to see a pitcher like have a terrible at bat and maybe put the ball in play. I think there's also some pretty entertaining things like Bartolo Colon hitting a homer is pretty amazing. Um, it creates a different dynamic. It's interesting. Um, the, the reality of the situation, the DH is going to make an out at least seven out of 10 times anyway. So whether the pitcher makes an out eight out of 10 times and you're adding layers of, you know, Bunt defense, uh, late game pitching moves, double switches. There's a lot more strategy involved when there's no DH. I bet you Major League Baseball wishes like seven pitchers could hit because then they would all strike out and the game would go way faster. Yeah, on just three re- pitches. Remove, all, remove all offense. Yeah. Uh, make the game or, like an hour or make it all offense. The crazy thing is they're trying to make it an offensive game, right? They're trying to like, let's make it, you know, oh, let's make, let's put the ball on steroids. Let's like put the mound further back, you know, this and that automated strike zone and and then they're like we want to make the game shorter i'm like do you think do you think like three more runs a game on average will shorten the game is that like there was a like guys guys used to throw two hour and 12 minute complete game shutouts right they didn't throw you know 160 pitch you know 10 run 14 hit affairs right like that, that those weren't the two hour and 12 minute complete games like they they keep just keep talking in circles, man. Like, keep talking in circles. And at the end of the day, just come out and say it. Like, we want to pay the players less money. Like, if you just came out and said it, I would feel so much better about every move that they try to make. Cutting eight games off the regular season in their – like, the, the justification is now the salary that you sign your contract for, for, you know, whatever, we're going to cut eight days off – eight days of prorated pay off that. And I guarantee you that's part of what would happen because, oh, the contract we signed is based on 162-game season. So – you know, you signed for $23 million. Well, knock a million off that. Well, they want the shortened season and the expanded playoffs and cut the minor league teams. Like, they're just – it's so transparent. But then they just leak stories and they're like – it's and, and they're trying to so stay obvious. relevant, Bobby, because if – they're not making any, like, free agent moves, right? There have been very few free agent signings. Like, I'd say more than half the big free agents are still – very much available in February. This is now two or whatever, three years in a row that this has kind of been the case where free agency hasn't been fast at all. Typical post CBA, 
you know, four years of just futility and in, in, in signing um, play teams that are going for it, i.e. the White Sox, you know, make a splash. Um, like teams that are going for it, go pay guys and they go get them at high-end free agents. Teams that are not, just kind of chilling, let the market do its thing, and then we'll see who's available. And, oh, if we can slide out a player that's worth about $12 million a year, but we can get him for four because nobody else wanted him, we'll take him. If not, we'll just go get a guy that's worth half a million. It's, I mean, it's so, it's so belligerently obvious, right? Like, it's so belligerently obvious. Um, it's a weird dynamic. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, that any person should ever complain about making $15, $18, 20000000 million, but let me tell you something like I, I see it kind of from both sides because there there's, you know, there's, there's players that I think earned their keep for a long time and should have stuck around longer in the game and should have made their four five, six, eight million or whatever it was per year. They kind of just got wiped out. And, and there's guys that now should be making their 10, 12, 14 million that are, you know, ah, well, we'll either just pay, we'll pay you three. And like, you know, the case in point is Kevin Pillar, right? Kevin Pillar, one of our, like, my best friends in baseball, like, guy's a grinder. He's a warrior, man. The guy just, he's a winner. He's a winning player. Run through a wall, do anything for you. Like, the epitome of what probably in the 70s and 80s would have been considered just a true grinder, great teammate. And if you looked at his numbers in the 70s and 80s, you'd be like, man, he's pretty solid. Like, this guy hit 20 homers, knocked in 80 last year. Like, playing center field, it's a premium position. Like his value as a center fielder in 1982 with the numbers he had last year would have been one of the highest paid center fielders in baseball. But now they've reevaluated how they they judge the position and they're saying, eh, well, you're probably only worth like three million. So if you ask for five or seven, we're just not going to get you there. And you know what? We'll just wait even longer and maybe we'll get you on a minor league deal because then we don't have any guarantees in place. So if you get hurt in spring training, then we're not on the book. Kevin Pillar, free agent. Yeah, there's a lot of free agents. <clears throat> Hit uh, 288, 12 doubles, 6 homers, 26 RBI in 54 games. Expand that out. 288 with 18 homers, 75 RBI. Not a bad season. Very solid. Yeah. Very solid. To make it as about Kevin as possible there. Uh do you what, what's your take on DH? Yes or no in National League? Would you want it there? We have to solidify what the true objective of the game is. If you're really looking for an infusion of offense, then yes, obviously, 100%. Am I a traditionalist who likes the idea that there's a different dynamic, a little bit different strategy to managing a National League game? Absolutely, 100%. You know, um, I, you know, I think. I think it's just it, it's been such a natural thing in the game. Look, and I'm I'm not I'm not opposed to change, change for the better. So I, I'd be down with the DH. I think obviously with the current market as it stands for the players, having a DH would allow. And, and this is to the point of what what Will tweeted: having a DH just allows position players to have more opportunity, like Mitch Moreland. Right. Mitch Moreland is a guy that comes to mind who toward the tail end of his career, probably um, last year, went to San Diego and, and really had a place there to get some at bats because they were using the DH. Um, guys like you're good. You're more likely to sign 
a position player and pay them a little bit of money than you are a reliever, right? Like the, the likelihood is you're just going to you'll wheel through another reliever that you have down in the minor leagues, right? That makes sense. Like, because at the end of the day, your 13th bullpen guy, like your 13th guy in the, in the, in the staff is not, you know, you're not going to pay him 8 million bucks. You're, it's, it's a half million dollar player because it's six to one, half dozen the other because that guy pitches when you're down six or up six or eight, nine, ten, whatever, like whatever the number is. Why don't you just have the DH pitch when you're down by? Oh, and, you know, Eric Kratz, man, first team all pitcher, first team all position player pitcher. Um, I think that solves a lot of problems. Just have your position players pitch more. Yeah. In games that don't matter. Uh, yeah, I'm a traditionalist. I like the DH. So. No, wait. If you're a traditionalist, you got to like not the DH. I, well, I like the DH in one league, but not the other league. I, yeah. like, the, I like the difference. I like the variation. I like you, yeah, you're very the confusing there. Yeah. Well, I misspoke. So there's that. Uh, Nolan Arenado. Not Arenado. Arenado. A lot of people say it wrong. Uh, traded to the Cardinals along with, I did the math, 500,000 bats. They used to, they had the joke about like, oh, you sent him there with a trading for a, some bats. They gave, they gave the Cardinals Nolan Arenado and $50 million. And they got a bunch. You're going to do it. Back. Do it right. I, Randy Carlson and I had a little back and forth on Twitter. I like Randy. Puts out a lot of good stuff. He hates Nolan Arnado. We, I was just, I wasn't even on my like my computer looking up stats. I was just going on like the MLB app to pull stuff up quick. Nolan Arnado is top ten in OPS like five years in a row. The only other player that was top ten in OPS that for that stretch was Mike Trout. He's like, I just don't trust him in big situations. I feel like Arnado is an absolute run producer. He's in, he's a magician at third base. Uh, for somebody to say, hey, we'll give you $50 million and Nolan Arenado. Now they got him with Goldschmidt in the lineup. He, he might be the best. He might be the best defensive third baseman of all time. And and, and this is not a knock on Brooks Robinson, but he does stuff with his glove that I, I can't even fat. Like, and, he's like running down the third base. Like he's in left field. And he's like, oh, there's and, 88 across the top. And much, <laughs> like, like Machado's. Yeah. Machado does some really like nice flashy things, but Arenado's better than him at third base. Um, so that's one thing. Not that I, I'm a big defense doesn't matter guy, but I think at the hot corner, it does. So that's one thing. Um, this guy smashes. He rakes. Um, I think he's kind of a gamer, which is cool from what I see. Uh, I think he likes winning. I don't know if signing the deal has changed him at all. Um, I, yeah, man. That, you normally win. A little, a little bit of a down year in 2020. Yeah, and I can understand that. Like, but, is, like look, the blip from last year is a blip. You know, there's a lot of blips. Let's put it that way. Um, you're going to see a dude that's on a mission this year because he thinks he can go and win a World Series. So, um Special player, man. I, I, what I fundamentally don't understand is why, why, like, why do teams give players such massive extensions, right? To then ultimately trade them and give money away in the trade because realistically, right? So just stay with me for a second. So literally, sign our, you sign Arenado for X amount of dollars. 
And you're like, oh, well, I'm going to trade him for some pieces. And, I, you know, I don't know what the Rockies sent over. If it was a couple bags of balls, some bats, some minor league players, whatever. It, essentially what you're doing is you're paying – like, it's not like you're trading Arnato for those players. You're paying $50 million for those players because you could have just let him sign elsewhere – and then you would have had that 50 million bucks just chilling out and be like, all right, I'm going to go pay for some players now. You know what I mean? So the, the system to me is like kind of bro. Oh, like let's give the guy an extension because we want to make him stay here. We want to show that we're, we, we care about moving forward. Why did you just give the guy $300 million if you don't actually care for him to be there? Right. And then, oh, well, we're trading him for assets. No, you're not. You traded $50 million for whatever you got He's in return. Playing your books. That's all you do. <laughs> and, and the $50 million you just gave away, like literally might've got you a couple bags of balls and some, you know, a fungo. Cause you don't know, like those guys that you traded for, I don't, I, I didn't hear any of the names. So clearly none of them are probably relevant. Not that I would know anybody in the big leagues now. Anyway, half the people I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, go Cardinals. Cardinals always try, which is awesome. They try at baseball, which I really like about them. Yeah, let me get the names here for the players. Uh, let's see. Just the fact that it takes this long is. Yeah, it's it's a bit down the article already. They're basically saying how. <clears throat> it, the title of the article is "Cardinals Trade for Nolan Arenado is an Absolute Heist." <laughs> yeah, well, I... so that's. I, I, I don't even – I'm assuming there was nobody that has any big league service time. And bear in mind, the guys that you traded for, some were probably at summer camp last year, so they had like maybe two months of actual playing baseball. But some of the other ones, like the A-ball kids, were just like they haven't picked up a bat or a ball like in-game and over you – know, uh, They got the number one prospect, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, who was a first-round pick in 2020. Both of those players are first third basemen, so they got – they got some stability at third base in five years. Nice. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. It's got to be some other. Hold on. Nolan Gorman is a is a stud. No wait, they're keeping they're keeping Gorman. Where is this trade? I'm misreading this. I can't even find it. Can't even find it. Two articles and I can't find it. I've Patrick came in there with a hot take saying Nolan Gorman's a stud. He's he's nasty. I, He's not I'm, as hey. good as Nolan Arenado. <laughs> Listen, this goes back to the old adage: prospect's only a prospect till he's a suspect, right? And and I, listen, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from guys' ability to be good players in the future or anything like that. And I certainly understand trading right now talent for future talent, but Arenado's a you know talking about a probably once in a generation third baseman, right? Like once every couple generations third baseman. Um, now you can make the argument that there are guys that produce similar to that level in the major leagues right now, but that dude's, that dude's a really, really special player. And when you have him, I, I think it always becomes, it's an interesting dynamic to me when you trade guys like that for prospects for guys that just aren't established players and, because Nolan Gorman might be really, really good. And I'm, I don't want to take anything away from him, but even a player who's really, really good right now, in the minor leagues, you just don't know what his future looks like. He could get hurt. He could decide he doesn't like baseball. Uh, he could get in a car accident, like, you know, and you knock on wood, you hope none of those things happen. But, like, I know what I'm going to get out of Nolan Arnold every day. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Nolan Gorman. And that's that's just 
that's part of what the reality of the game was. And now I think it's, it's just so much easier to try to project out a young player and say, Oh, this guy's going to make an impact on my future. And, and this and that. like, how many, there's so many more trades that don't work out for players like high, like high end prospects that again, it's more a salary dump than it is anything else. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would just, I just don't like it. I just don't. Well, now okay. they have, they have Gorman and Arenado. So yeah, they didn't even trade him away. Yeah. Now they got, uh, I can't get Google. Google's not working right now. My phone isn't working. I I've never heard anybody say that Google's not working. You guys should maybe Google's down. Maybe uh, Wall Street. I Jets thought Gorman was the kid that got traded from the Cardinals to the Rockies. Nope, they kept him. I, I misread it. Dude, so what are we doing? I don't know. I can't pull anything up. Google. Maybe the Cardinals Google's are trying to be the best right. team in the history of Everness. They want to have three third basemen play at once. As they should. As every team should. They should all right. be trying to be the best. But maybe they want to play three third basemen at one time. Well, probably shift one of them in the right field, shift another one. Well, Cardinals are really good at finding talent. They're good. <clears throat> yeah, Google's broken right now. Uh, for me, anyway. Any uh, any thoughts on Coors Field effect with Arenado? His stats are definitely skewed to being more successful at home and at Coors. Uh, we've talked to Dante Bichette about this, how it's often difficult because you get used to the air, like the adjustment back and forth is difficult. So by playing less games with variability, he might be better off. Uh, any thoughts on that? Did you ever play in Colorado? I did. Thoughts? I did. Um, whatever. Whatever. I got. Did you like were, were curveballs flatter, sinkers flatter, fastballs doing specials like any difference? BP really fun. Uh, I I honestly, the only thing I remember about batting practice being different is the outfield is enormous. Like big big gaps there. The the thing you notice in thin air typically is that the ball stays up in the air longer, right? Like when you hit something high, it, it you know it just has a higher apex um, and therefore should travel further theoretically. But the gaps are huge in Colorado, so like in order to hit more homers there you have to hit the ball really high if you hit the ball low it doesn't matter if you're like a line drive gap to gap guy now the advantage is the gaps are like kind of more open which allows for more doubles and i think if you're a good hitter a place like that should help you because it it should create some confidence that you know the mindset that uh you know it is a better place to hit even though the perception, like if I hit the ball low in BP, like I'm not, I didn't hit more homers there than I did anywhere else. So uh, the air that I don't, I, I, I'm the wrong person to ask. I say this all the time. Like I, I don't know the difference. Like I just, I breathe. And then if I'm breathing, I'm, I'm breathing. Like there's no, like I don't vary like my levels of breathing. I don't like understand what a one versus a 10 is. I've never paid attention to it enough. And then more than anything, I think it's probably a mindset thing, right? Like, but if you like your – like, I would say that there were certainly places I liked to hit better at than Colorado. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it remains to be seen. I think if you're good, then you're good. And I think yeah. if you're not good, then you're probably not good. But I think Nolan Arnauto is good. So. How do you think Trevor Story feels today or in the days after the trade? Probably sad. Probably sad. And then uh, what's his name? Charlie. 
Old Charles. Charlie with a lot of Charles Blackbeard yeah. Blackman. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not thrilled. That, to that, see yeah. their, I mean, they have a, I think they have the foundation of a, like a pretty good lineup. They just, it, it seems like the, the last few years, they haven't really tried to bolster any other parts really. And, and they have some, they had some decent young guys like, um, you know, the Tapia kid can play a little bit. Um, you know, look at Dahl and. Um, Dawson, Dahl's gone. Yeah, but the, the, we're there, I'm talking about. So they had like the makings of. And then they were like, nah, we don't want to be good. Get them out of here. And, and their pitching staff was getting solid. Like they were, they had a chance. They had a chance to win the division last year, like make the playoffs. And two years ago, they were like right there in the race and they had some injuries. So clearly they said, nah, we out. Uh, Google's we'll working see. again. You just made a comment that they had a chance to make the postseason last year. I need to. They traded for Pilar at the deadline. There were three, like there were three games out of the wild card, they're and then they a, and then they tanked after. Yeah, but they're in a they're in a tough division. Yeah, they Dodgers, didn't have a chance to win the division. Diego, L.A. and San Diego are last year. Twenty six out of the thirty teams made the playoffs, Bobby. They had a chance. Oh, that's a joke. It wasn't funny. Expand those playoffs. More playoff revenue. Uh, Post show. If you could add one competition to All Star Weekend, what would you add? I have two that I want to add, so I'm already breaking the rules of this. That's a lot. One would be target hitting competition. So you remember in like Triple Play '99, where they had like they would just put a bunch of farm equipment on the field, and like you could hit it through windows and whatever. Like that'd be sick if you just had to hit targets that were moving around, and they had you could have moving targets that were worth more points, and you could have like stationary targets that were worth less that were smaller, stuff up in the air. That would be like one. My my second one would be like outfield throwing to targets. That's that was one of mine. I want to see the, but the issue is guys aren't going to do it because they like what's the benefit? Like hitting batting practice is one thing to like air it out. They used to do it in the NFL. They used to do like the quarterback competition where they quarterback like, challenge. Yeah, yeah but if awesome. you pay enough money, people will do whatever you ask them. I was gonna, I was gonna say like an American Ninja Warrior style like fielding competition. We had to like do different arm slots. You had to like jump over things and make throws. Play and, and defense, yeah. Play def- or you could play defensive horse, where like Francisco Lindor would be like, all right, between the legs, glove flip to the second baseman with a pirouette in the middle, and then like if the guy didn't match it, you won. Be like a like there's like a dunk competition for infielders. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. <laughs> I think I don't know how like how creative you can actually get with that though. Like, yeah. I, I think how many the only, like, variations can you I would love to see Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor in a, in a horse competition. Like, Hey, I'm going to do it like this and like call how many bounces you throw it to first on or how you're going to flip the ball to the base. Yeah. It's like a, so I would say Homer Derby's like this, the, the slam dunk competition, the like three point contest would be like, if you put an outfielder out there and like had to throw it in the barrel, that type of thing. Um, the do they still do like the, the skills competition where they have to like pass it into into the hoops and stuff? Do they do that for yeah. NBA? Um, something like that for infielders for me would be really fun. Or if you could do like a some sort of time competition for catchers, like where you got their pop times, where they could like do transfer times and everybody's going to be like, oh, they don't want to get hurt. You could do base runners, like have them. Have them run the base. Like have like literally have the fast base runner run the base. Doing a like, doing so like many... a legit a legit like speed challenge, and make it like a social media based thing where you guys can call people out. 
and they just do races. To, There's to find so out the fast. But then they're going to be like, oh, well, we just have StatCast, so why do we need to run in competition so they can just pull it out? Head-to-head, I want to see who, who is the fastest guy in the big leagues right now. I don't answer that. Is Billy Hamilton still a big leaguer? Does he count? Yeah. He's got to be. He's got to be fast. up there. Uh, that would be fun just to see guys call like bring the freeze in there from the <laughs> the the Braves guy. Um, yeah, that'd be fun. That was the Indian. Or have or do like a freeze thing where you have you have a non-fast guy challenge a fast guy in a freestyle competition. No, uh, be like Miguel uh, Cabrera challenges Billy Hamilton to a race. <laughs> yeah, no, you, <laughs> and have like betting on it like wagers. Like you uh, could have Miguel Cabrera start at second base and Billy Hamilton start at home and see who wins home to home, that home to funny. home. That'd be sick. And you, you mic everybody up, have them all on the field, get like a, a very extroverted player being the MC of it. Like who wants to race who? What are the wagers? That'd be fun. Weird. You could allow fun to happen. The problem is, by the way, we just gave them the keys to the castle. If, they, if somebody from MLB listens to Pelotero, they won't do it anyway, but. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm like, I'm getting into like, don't tell anybody anything mode again. I've been in I've been in different stages of that. Yeah. I'm entering a well a non-trust zone right now. That'll happen. Yep. Uh anything else? We got Super Bowl coming up. I know you think Tom Brady. You think Tom uh will Tom Brady throw for over three hundred yards? Yes. Will he throw will he have uh two and a half as the over under for touchdowns? Yes. Over? Yes. Um Will Patrick Mahomes throw for we'll set it at 350 over under? Yes. You're not even answering the questions. You're just saying yes. Well, I think yes. That he will go over. You, the question is over under. I, not honestly, yes, I no. can see I, the game has it has to have some offense, right? This is a very I see it being a very similar game to Patriots Chiefs two years ago in the AFC Championship game. Um, That'd be awesome. Uh, like you it's think, just, how good do you think the the Bucks are? How, how good is Tampa Bay? Like compare the current Tom Brady led team to past Patriots teams. How Talent teams? wise, uh, this is the best team he's ever played on. Um, Offense. The only argument you could make again, like the only argument you could make against that is the 2007 team that was a billion and all, because um, that was the first team that really it had a it, it like just an incredibly balanced offense. And what by balanced I mean they had Randy Moss. Um, they could do everything. They could run. Uh, they could throw underneath and obviously like it, I've never seen a dude that just like got oh, like got behind guys all the time. Like it's incredible. Um, that year was insane. No, but I mean, like it, it was what's crazy is like all he had to do is like, look, if they were if teams were playing cover two, like he, he he'd have to like look off one safety and then Moss was, was going to get past the other one. Um, you know, 86 percent of Randy Moss's routes that year were goes like there were goes or, or like posts. Uh nuts dude like and and every time he got behind people like every time he never um, even looked like he was trying to run hard and then he just yeah he, he'd be behind the defender every time i mean so like when was the last time you saw that in the nfl right like when was the last time you saw just a, a receiver who at will could get behind safeties um so how good is tom brady's team currently i think their defense has become a frontline defense because really all they needed was their cornerbacks to, to like kind of step up their game a little bit and kudos to Sean Murphy Bunting who in the first week of the playoffs really kind of set the tone for their, their secondary. Um, 
their I think their front their front seven have been awesome all year. Number one in rush defense in the NFL. Like you can't run on on Indominus Sue. Like the guy, and to his credit, he's like posted this year, which is pretty impressive. Um, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul off the edge, um, Shaq Barrett off the edge. Like guys, these guys, Monte David, um, really good players. Like really, really solid linemen and linebackers and, and the how secondary. Many, how many wide open receptions will Travis Kelsey have? See, that's Over like under at four. How many yeah. times is he going to be like nobody five years, five so, yards close to him? You just so gonna like here, slip through and be like, yeah, here's, here's the issue. Here's the issue with Kansas city. Like one, they're really creative with their playbook. And two, I think against Kansas city, you, you really have to bracket Tyree kill, right? Like if you don't play under over coverage on him, just double team him every play, that guy's going to chew you up and spit you out. So like, Kelsey will find a lot of pockets when when Tampa plays zone. Like he just finds pockets in the zone where that's why he's he's so open. Um, he's a good receiver, um, pretty athletic. But yeah, that's gonna it, it's part of the it's part of the like if you shut down Tyree Kill. Like, would you rather Tyree Kill catch a ball on the first play of a drive and run by everyone for an eighty-yard touchdown, or like maybe like make Mahomes throw like six completions to score a touchdown? Um, like you saw, Tyree Kill had 200 yards in the first quarter against them last night. He's so fast. Yeah, fast middle line. Um, um, and and what it's going to come down to is is how well Mahomes can play, and I have no doubts that he can play well. Um, if it's if it's the style of Super Bowl that they played last year, that the the Chiefs will lose. Um, they can't. They they won't win a lose a low scoring game against against Tampa. Like they're obviously going to have to get the score up. Um, yeah, I mean it'll be fun. I just I think it's gonna be like thirty four twenty. I think it's I think it ends up in a one score game. It's it's very. I don't think it can be two scores. To be honest, I just no matter what, like because radio I mean, control the game. You, and, I'm yeah. telling you, you can reply. I I, I'm, I agree. I, I just I think it's a one score game either way. It could be three. It could be seven. Um, I don't think we'll get to two. Thirty four twenty. Good call. I'm not going to make a prediction. I just think it's a one-score game. Uh, lines at like three and a half, I think, Kansas City. Um, I like my pick. I'm not. There has been no point in time where I've like tried to downplay or disagree with your pick. I, no, it's, I, it's really fun to force you into picks because I know how much you hate making any sort of. Dude, who you think I'm going to pick in this scenario, bro? <laughs> like, who you think I'm going to take? You think I'm going to take this kid Mahomes over here in Kansas City, or you think I'm going to take my guy Son? If Tom like, Brady wins the Super Bowl, does he retire? No. He's on a two-year deal. Why would he retire? It doesn't matter. He's going to play. Like, I would take Tom Brady until he was, like, 68. I would literally – like, I would take I would take Tom Brady at age 68 over Ryan Tannehill right now. I'm sorry, do think, Ryan. Do you think Tom Brady's good. pliability would be below or above league average at the age of 60? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. I don't know. I would say it's above average pliability. He has enough co- if he if he has enough coconut oil in his smoothies, that's avocado a that's cream. a that's a lubricator. Get that avocado ice cream flowing. Um, I think that's it. Do you have any post show? Anything you want to add? Nah, man. Talk to you after Tommy hoists another one. That's it. That's pickle. Pickle. <laughs>